listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 59, covering Angel 1, 11001001, and Too Short a Season, with special guest Mark Bosco. Hello, friends. We're back. Everybody doing? We're back. With, uh, well, one good episode, anyway. Uh, oh, Bob is here with us again. Uh, welcome Hi-ho. back, Bob. Um, the thing is, Bob picked the good episode between two really bad episodes. This was, I'm so sorry. This was a rough episode. This was a rough episode just to watch, man. Jesus. Yeah, well, both, I mean, you know, Angel 1 and then uh, Too Short a Season, both not great, but the, the one in the middle with all the ones and zeros, that, that one was all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really didn't mean to stick you guys with the horrible one. Yeah, no, sure listen, you did. There, they were there for us to watch either way. It's not your fault. You didn't make these. Like, yeah. Or did the, you? We were both 13 when this came out, so I'm pretty sure you didn't actually make this. Mm, no. My fingers are totally not crossed. <laughs> okay. Now, the, the thing is, and this is actually a, a good enough uh, place as any to say, this is the last time we will be doing a three-episode show. Yeah. Um, no! The, Bob, this is it. You were the last one. Um, you are the last one. It's... The thing is, this is oh, no. this is a little rough for us. We enjoy doing this, but watching three shows, especially when they're kind of rough episodes like this, gets a little much, and it, it kind of becomes less fun. Mm-hmm. And so in the future, even when we do have guests, we're just going to be doing two shows per episode. And I think that way we will no longer dread having guests because it won't be more work for us. Mm-hmm. And so you'll actually uh, be able to hear more guests yes. coming up. So, so well, I'm privileged to put the final nail in that coffin. <laughs> And boy, is it a coffin. God damn, <laughs> Jesus. I Yeah. Well, the nice thing, the, the best thing about watching these last two episodes is I will never have to see them again. That is definitely a plus. I mean, That's I might. a good thing. Yes. Oh, TM. <laughs> I might just have to delete these from my library. Like, 20 now. years from now, I'm going to be all, I'm going to rewatch Star Trek Next Generation, because I love that show. Angel yeah, 1, a... I remember this being a not terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> really, Matt, you think in 20 years when you're, uh, what, 47? Yeah, you're going to sound like that? Yep. I'll make a point of it. Old, Matt. Oh, all right. And of course, Very you'll well. be long dead. Of course, in 20 years, yeah. <laughs> I mean, human technology will not have figured out a way to make someone age to 57. I mean, that's just unheard of. <laughs> Maybe you can use the, uh, the serum to age backwards. Well, that alien serum, yeah. Mm. The problem is I don't... Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to I have that. to find that <laughs> I was about to spill, spill one of getting the... getting ahead of myself, sorry. Yeah, spill one of the only jokes that we could make, so... <laughs> the, the thing is, that episode really was like a black hole. It's like, even us making jokes wasn't... Like, they would just disappear. And about halfway through that episode, <laughs> I went and watched cartoons. Yeah, we were just like, okay, well, it's got to be over, right? This fade-out means, like, the end of the last act. One nope, minute. still 17 minutes left. God damn it! <laughs> But we'll, we'll get there. First was the first bad episode we saw, which was Angel 1. Yeah. Matt, why don't you tell us all about that? All right. So the Enterprise is tracking the Odin, a non-Federation ship with one eye and a collection of onboard ravens that's been missing for about <laughs> seven years. They believe it to have crashed on the planet of Angel 1, a backwards-ass planet where the men are subservient to the women. Boy, I hope this doesn't result in a really heavy-handed message about equality. Oh, it does? Well, then I could probably stop here, right? Nope. No. God damn it. All right, fine. Anyway, so the chief cook and bottle washer, Mistress B. Arthur, allows a small team to beam down, including Data, Troy, Yar, and Riker. Hearing that a planet of pretty, that there's a planet full of pretty ladies to boss them around, couldn't get to the transport room fast enough. 
and the ladies and data begin looking for the, sur the survivors while Riker prances about in a flowery purple toga, bearing his magnificent chest for all to see. Back on the Enterprise, everyone is suffering from a mysterious space plague. That is all. Troy, Yar, and Data find the missing survivors, all of whom are men who have hooked up with Angel Oneians and have no interest in leaving. So, we have a non-Federation problem concerning non-Federation people. No longer our concern, right? Good, then everyone can go home. Oh, except the plague is still raging on the Enterprise, and also the survivors have all been arrested and are going to be put to death. Uh, so Riker manages to convince Mistress B. Arthur that men should be allowed to do things. Crusher cures the play because it was never really that important anyway, and the survivors are all sent away to the far-off continent of SETI Alpha 5, where they can plan their eventual <laughs> domination of Angel 1. Ugh. <sighs> yeah. Uh, we, we decided to switch things up a bit. We're actually going to do our good thing, bad thing mm -hmm. now. So uh, I'll, I'll go first. Um, the good thing about this episode was at least they made never made an Angel 2. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, my real good thing is there is a tiny sliver of a C-plot that Jordy gets as he inherits command, which is actually pretty yeah. cool. LeVar Burton has some fun with sitting in the chair and bossing yeah. people around and learning the limits of command mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. That's actually pretty good. Uh, and the bad thing, we may possibly have a new winner in the most heavy-handed Star Trek episode ever made. God, uh, I think this episode just beats out the America Planet episode, which I think was, uh, was it the Omega The something? Omega Brigade. The yeah. Omega Glory. That's yeah, that's it. Thank you. you. Uh, from the original series. Yeah, that, this may be even more heavy-handed than that one. Mm. All right, Matt, what do you got? Okay, so my good thing is, uh, when she sees Riker in his tiny lady shirt, Yard does this little giggle thing that may be the cutest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, the chemistry between <laughs> uh, him and Troy and, and, and Tasha in that scene is actually pretty good. It's, it's, it's a really nice, nice scene in a terrible goddamn episode. Yeah, it is. Mm. And my bad thing is that um, this is never made clear in the episode, but I was doing a little research on uh, Memory Alpha, and I discovered that the plague actually comes from Wesley being infected by a virus in the holodeck. That may be the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I guess it's a fake approximation of a virus. It's a virtual virus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which everyone has for weeks, and it smells like Klingons, and I don't. Yep. I don't know. I, none of this makes any sense. No, not at all. All right, Bob, what do you got? Uh, for my good thing, uh, I've got the magnificent feathered hair. Oh yes, this was the golden age of feathered hair. You will you will mm. remember with me. My, Matt's probably too young to remember, but kind of kind of looks like the hair that uh, that uh, Linda Hamilton had in the first Terminator movie. Oh yes. Uh, yes, when she was still a waitress. Yep, before she bulked up and got scary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And uh, and my bad thing is the magnificent chest hair. Oh yeah, oh, Riker the ape man. <laughs> there's a there's a scene where uh, B. Arthur just grabs a hunk of it and sort of rubs it around. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, you got to figure the women are sort of larger, and they did cast larger women, which was a nice, you know, one of the few nice touches actually. Like mm -hmm. they made them a little bigger than the men, which makes kind of sense. Uh, mm. And presumably, they don't have chest hair, and the little scampering men they have don't have chest hair, so maybe Ooh, she's like never Trent. seen it before. Yeah. <laughs> Trent. What kind of an alien name is that? That's Trent. And here's Trent. Trent. Earthmen named Trent. That doesn't, that's, you're not even trying. Yeah. This was just uh, not good. That's like a Zap Brannigan kind of name. Yeah. What, it's really, Trent? it's like a, like yeah. a slap beef heart. Or, you know, no, later on he goes on to form Mystic Spiral. What? Never mind. All right. Very <laughs> well. Yeah, this is, uh. Okay, so the planet's similar to mid-20th century Earth, because of course, and mm -hmm. they're a sexist culture, but for some reason we really want them to be part of the Federation, even though they're they're backwards awesome. and unequal, and also behind us in technology, but 
We want it, this it, is the, it, it what feels we want. Like season one of, of Next Gen is all about letting people into the Federation who are kind of jerks and we don't really want them. It's like we're they're sort of spreading the Federation like as far as it can go as quickly as possible for some reason. Yeah, they really relaxed the entrance uh, the entrance requirements so they could just show the numbers on paper and say, yeah. look, Klingons, we got more than you got. And I mean, we're talking about like, we're talking about a government that would routinely put people into it without doing any background check on them at all. Oh yeah, because often recall... they would find out, oh yeah, they, they shoot poisonous acid at people because, they, you know, they use the letter G. Yep, because they're people. Right. right. But even at that is like, you know, Picard still makes this huge speech before they beam down, you know, about how important it is that we need to, you know, make great domestic relations with whatever, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. it's like, why, why are you making this huge speech about this when it's we like, do this every it's kind of a run of the mill. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't get it. It's really just, uh, there's no subtlety at all. There's no, like, I okay, I could kind of see if you did a, a Planet of Women and, and you handled it the right way, this could be kind of interesting. But re- all you're doing is saying sexism is bad. Look what it's like if it was the other way around. And yeah. It's just no, kind of flames. So ham-fisted. Yeah, no, yeah, people have done this many, many times before and a lot better. Yeah, this this is not one of the good times. Although it's funny because we, we had all seen this before. But I guess we didn't remember. One of you said, uh, well, to, to really be a backwards culture, the men would have to be wearing, like, crotch-displaying uh, crotch outfits. And then there it was. Yep. Oh, <laughs> well, so they did. Well played, like Star Trek. Pieces. Yeah. You know, and, like, our, uh, our culture often emphasizes the, the parts of the female body. Well, this one does that to men. What do you yep. think of that? Yep. There's a little window in, the, in and all the straps around the ass. Yep. There's a little Just window this... in all the guys' pants to highlight the ball cleavage. <laughs> just like the like power a, girl outfit yeah. yeah exactly like a push-up bra for your butt oh god <laughs> not good yeah <laughs> I, I i do like again i like Riker. i you know okay yeah he's a horn dog but he's there's there's like an extra layer there that wasn't there with kirk where even when he's just kind of i don't know obviously going to a planet with women and obviously putting on the outfit because he knows he's going to score there's mm. something just kind of classy and charming about yeah. him mm. Like he doesn't just grab some girl and shove her down into the bed and right yeah, exactly. exactly. It's very much it's treated as a win in Rome thing. Like, well, this is how the men dress here, so uh, you know, off I go. Whatever. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It must be chest. nice to be the tallest person on the planet, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know the record and and Frank's playing record does this great thing where he's just got a certain smile and a certain look and the way he carries himself and it's just like, yeah, I'm gonna get laid, but it's mm-hmm. cool. It's gonna be he's a not, fun time here on Angel One. Yeah, it's not creepy like it was with Kirk, where he just took what, like, like you say, Bob, where he just take whatever woman he wants. Yep. There's always a sense that you know that they're into him as well, which makes it cool. Yeah, yeah. I, don't know, I like Riker. But he's still a horn dog. Well, well he, yes. he totally is. I mean, uh, you're you're the one who pioneered the Riker <laughs> horn dog. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what, Internet meme. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag on Twitter as you were making your way through next gen over the past year or so. Indeed. Uh, so the other, I, I feel like okay, they made a really big deal early on in season one about Picard can't go on away missions. He's not Kirk. We're not. It doesn't make sense to send the captain. Okay, that's cool. But they mm. go to such an extent of doing that that they don't know what to do with Picard when the action's on the planet. No, Heads and so they give up. him stupid subplots like everyone gets a cold. 
I'm yeah. bored. I'm getting sick. Yeah. Uh-oh. Cough, cough. I'm going to go read a book. <laughs> but that's really how the show handles it right now is, okay, well, we've written ourselves into this corner. What does the captain do? Well, nothing. He sits in bed with his shirt and off. Eventually they figure out, okay, well, sometimes he can go on missions or we can make the, the action sort of on the bridge with the view screen and, you know. Make it a little, make him a little more involved. Don't just yeah. have him send people away and stay there like a nanny. <laughs> yeah. You guys I, having just, fun down there? Sounds nice. Can I come? No. Oh, <laughs> oh I don't like being. I want to captain. play too. <laughs> yeah. No, and you get that feeling that he does want to be there, and I don't know. I just like I say, it feels like they wrote, wrote themselves into a corner. It took them a while to figure out how to make that work and not mm. make the captain feel like a, I don't know, like a weenie, like, <laughs> like, like a fifth wheel. Yeah, because right now he—he he, we've seen him surrender a lot. Like the the very first thing Matt pointed this out in the pilot, the first thing we see him do is surrender. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then he keeps not being on away missions, and he keeps you know just wandering <laughs> around the ship, getting colds. And I don't know what else. And yeah, it, 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 I right now I don't really care about Picard, and it's sad because I really want to love him because I know I will. Yeah, but he's just not that lovable yet. No. I mean, the Dixon Hill episode did, was a start, but like... Yeah, we got to see a, a different side of him. That was good. But th- we really need more of him doing things. Yeah, he needs to be... Like, the captain is the main character, and you need to make him the central part of the action. That's just mm. how it goes. He's Of course, he's a different guy than Kirk, but he still needs to be in the action. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And right now, it's just it doesn't feel that way. And it, it's, it also feels like a tremendous waste of Patrick Stewart, because... Even when they, you know, even when his job this week is to, uh, you know, croak out a, you know, make it so. Make he's it still so. good. <laughs> like, he's got a sore throat. It's funny. He's still good at that. Because <laughs> he's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the, I, like I said, the only really good thing about this, I think, was, was Jordy. Because he had a fun little, you know, <laughs> well, I guess I'm in charge now. Yep. And he's got on that the bridge all yeah. alone. Yeah, and they, I mean, and then when they send Data back up there, they do this great wide shot where it's just like, <laughs> Matt's such a, I feel like a tumbleweed should be blowing by. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly it. I don't know, I just, but like Jordy, you know, at first he goes through this tiny little arc where he like, he wants to, you know, he wants to do everything and Worf's like, no, other people have to do their jobs. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, like it's a, it's maybe a 10 second thing. But mm. it, it's, but it's great. a nice, it, it, yeah. It's, it's a nice, nice little. I'm in charge. Wait, I need to put this in perspective and be in charge. Smart. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that. That's about all I enjoyed. Okay. Yeah, I like. I, I enjoyed the little uh, like beehive lamps that made out of PVC pipe <laughs> oh, yes. that they had on the planet. Well, that's just because you you just bought a replicator and you want to be able to make one. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting shape that you can print. <laughs> the, tell uh, tell us about that. That'll be a nice distraction from thinking about this episode. <laughs> Well, it's a a three D printer. They call it. It's the the kind. Uh, they're called rep wraps. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this like design where they're supposed to be able to kind of replicate parts for themselves, and and you know you can make new ones. Very cool. So it's uh, it's it just kind of prints layers of uh, ABS plastic mm-hmm. uh, to kind of build up and create this three D object out of plastic. So. Which and and I know I, I've read things about this, Matt. I don't know if you have as well, but it's you know it basically means we're getting to a point where you can order an object online and then just print it. Yes. Yeah. Which is yep. just fantastic, and you know you basically you have a replicator. You have a first generation replicator. Like it's still crude and it's still you know like only makes one material, but we're getting there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Very cool. And, well, I ordered it. I don't have it yet. No, hopefully right. I'll be here in a few weeks. But you're already looking at things in terms of, ooh, I can make that. Yeah, exactly. These weird little wall fixtures in Angel One. Like, ooh, that's cool. I could, that's I an interesting probably. shape. I could print that out. <laughs> have that. I feel like you're going to be looking through everything through those, uh, looking at everything through those glasses now. Like, ooh. Oh, I, totally. I could yeah. print that and that, and that. <laughs> It's like the first time you get a color printer. Yep. It's like, oh, I could, I could make this. I could, make I could this. print these comics, and yeah. I could print this poster. What do you mean, out of ink? <laughs> Damn it! Uh, that's more interesting than this episode by a lot. By a lot, I'll, a lot. I'll have to report back once I have it. Yeah, please do. Yes, I'm, I'm actually really interested. Just from a, you know, as a sci-fi fan, as a, you know, technology fan, I think it's really cool. Cool. And I'm jealous. I'm excited. Uh, what else? Um. Anything? Oh, um, no. <laughs> they they still have squirts. Oh yeah, yeah they, the squirt doesn't appear. <laughs> yeah, the the tiny little micro skirts that everyone's just scurrying around in the background. You never see a, a main character wearing them though. It's always someone way in the background. Not Tasha in one once, and then that was it. Yeah, yeah. It was all like never again. <laughs> nope. Well, fortunately, season one will be coming out on Blu-ray soon, so we'll have a nice high def capture of that. Oh, good. <laughs> they no, had to. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's all. I said that is good. You, oh. She was in it once. That's all you need. Mm -hmm. Indeed. And they had the uh, the mulleted rebels that uh, oh. seemed like they were out of an A-team <laughs> episode. Yeah, they get used to that. That is a that is a next-gen trope that just won't die ever. The the mulleted rebels who want like refuse to cooperate for no really good reason, and the Enterprise should really just leave, but they can't. Yep. Yeah, they never really give a compelling reason for why they won't leave yeah. the planet. No, we don't want to. And then at the end, uh, the, the the chick that uh, Matt calls B. Arthur, her name was very similar to B. Arthur. I don't remember it's what Gotha. it actually was. It doesn't... <laughs> ah, very well. She was a bantha. That's fine. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> she, her, the reason she decides not to execute them is because the woman who was married to the guy said, don't do that because I love him. Was this previously unknown until she said that? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. I would sort of assume these two people who had a secret love were, you know, in love. Yeah. It doesn't seem like something no, she just sneaks, made she aware just, of. She just sneaks away and endangers her entire <laughs> her entire political career for some rough sex with a guy with a mullet. Yep. <laughs> we're going to execute you because you're in love. Wait, no, don't. We're in love. Oh. What? Well, okay, oh, that then. changes everything. <laughs> you don't say. Huh. <laughs> Well, I am a sucker for love. love. And the thing is, the, the main trick, be, be, uh, the be Arthur. lady. Um, yeah. <laughs> she, uh, if she'd been a better actor, that might have helped, but she wasn't. And there's, there's a bit of, like, she has to play conflicted. She has to play, like, mm. I really don't want to execute people, but this is the law and I have to. And she just wasn't good enough to pull that off. Nope. She just kind of, her voice quavered a little. She kind of, you know, shrugged. Oh. Not well, very good. Guess I gotta execute you. Yep. Not really up to me. Oh, well. Too bad. I did the best yeah. I could. Yeah, well, the no best I was willing to do. Well, the best you can do <laughs> in an episode called Angel One. Anyway. <laughs> now can I go back to Bedroof Breaker? Please. <laughs> Look at that chest hair. Come on. <laughs> oh, God. They even, at one point when they're making out, they dissolve from their makeout to a fire. Uh -huh. Like, that's that's <laughs> that sums up this episode as well as I could possibly yeah. you know say. I don't think I don't think this code hand for is heavy they're enough. off doing something. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just terrible. All right, any anything else or are we ready to push forward? Uh, um, no, I think I can just do my quote now. 
Okay, what do you got? All right. Uh, this requires absolutely no setup whatsoever. I think I may sneeze. All right. <laughs> I do like when he sneezes. <laughs> we're, we're, we take, ooh, Klingon sneezes. Ooh, it's just slightly louder than an yeah, Earth sneeze. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a huge Achoo. deal. Or it's like, no. Yeah. I think they they uh, they run a little filter through it to make it echo a little, which just no, makes it sound like a robot sneeze. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone lean to the left when Worf sneezes. <laughs> Takay was on set to to coach them. Oh my! Now, okay, now when the camera goes this way, you lean that. Now way. grip the now grip the railing thusly, <laughs> and wave your hands in the air like you just don't care. See, I just, I, I, I'm struggling to find reasons for you to keep doing that, that impression, but I am trying. Are you okay? That sneeze is tripping balls. balls. (laughs) Yeah, all right. (laughs) And with that, Bob, why don't you tell us about one oh one oh one oh one oh one? Hmm. Speaking of horn dog breaker. (laughs) Oh yeah. The Enterprise D arrives at Starbase Seven Four for upgrades, including the holodeck, which we've had problems with. As no. says, in a beautiful, long docking sequence to rival the motion picture's somnambulous tour of the original Enterprise. The binars, who come in pairs, talk to computers, and complete each other's sentences is... Uh, yeah. And complete each other's sentences in a very annoying manner, come aboard to improve the Enterprise's computer systems. They immediately start acting as suspicious as possible. Everyone else runs off to play Parisi squares or paint or do cyborg science projects... And sad sack Riker gets stuck on the ship all alone with nothing to do. So Riker takes advantage of the binar's enhancement to the holodeck and makes himself a Bourbon Street bar where he can play his trombone and make passes at women and put his leg up next to people as much as he likes. He dials in his perfect woman, Minuet, who looks suspiciously like a cross between a young Captain Janeway and the Cheshire Cat, and proceeds to be the Rikerest Riker he can possibly Riker. <laughs> Riker talks Minuet up about her smell and her touch and just how real are you, and this is getting kind of skeevy. (laughs) Thankfully, at that moment, Picard joins Riker on the holodeck, making additional passes at Minuet, and wait, this really isn't any less skeevy at all. (laughs) The binars on the bridge, who are totally not acting suspicious at all, continue to do totally ordinary things, why do you ask? Suddenly, the antimatter containment field is about to collapse and blow up the Enterprise and a good chunk of Starbase 74 with it. Data and Geordi evacuate everyone off the ship, and the Enterprise is launched out into space where it'll be no trouble at all. Oh, wait, it's not over yet. Uh, Riker and Picard are still on the holodeck, oblivious to all of this, with Minuet making increasingly desperate ploys to keep them in there. Picard realizes something is up and figures out the Binars have hijacked the Enterprise. On the bridge, they find the Barnars nearly comatose, but after some Batman 66-level logic, they figure out how to reboot the Binars' home planet's main computer. Why not? And the day is saved. <laughs> Yay. All right. Uh, uh, my good thing for this was yeah. um, seeing everyone on their day off is actually kind of fun and charming, and it fleshes out the characters a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, we get... I mean, it, it is slow in sort of the first two-thirds, but it's slow in a good way, I thought, like... Data's painting, and like you said, you listed all the yeah. different things people are up to, and it's it's just kind of cool. Most of those things get picked up and 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 fleshed out a bit more later. Like Data continues to paint. Yeah, it's fun. It gives them a bit of character. Yeah, exactly. And it's nice. I like I like day off episodes. I like when you have sort of intense action to you know like slow down for one episode 
and say, now here's what people do when there isn't looming danger. They just kind of hang out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, one of my favorite episodes in, I think it's like season three or four is uh, Data's Day, which is pretty much just that. Yeah. It's just oh, yeah. Everyone doing their day off stuff, which I think is cool. Um, and my bad thing is, uh, I, I'm not a fan of that title. Just because if it meant something cool and binary, I guess it would be okay, but it's just some ones and zeros, yeah. and I don't get it. It means uh, 201. Well. In decimal. And the thing is, if it was episode 200, 201, or if it was episode 201, like the first episode of season two, or, you know, if there was some meaning to it, that would be cool. But it's just well, letters, it's, or numbers. It's, isn't it? But it's the it's the names of the four binars that were on the ship. It's their paired names, right? 11 and 00 and 10 zero and 01. Oh. I suppose. So that's yeah, kind of, I know. Yeah, I would have called it Minuet, but that's me. That's me being geeky about it but no 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 that's i <laughs> listen you're on a star trek show <laughs> with me and matt you're you know be as geeky as you like but you know i guess yeah. that works i just usually star trek i don't know usually they're more it could have been more clever I, like i said i would have just called it minuet but that's me hmm. uh matt what do you got uh okay so the, i lo- really like the design and the concept of the of the binars yeah. sort of neat looking androgynous uh, about as close to gray aliens as we uh, as I think we ever got in the Star Trek. I uh, I yeah. think so. There was a bit of the like the Talosians from the cage. In yeah, there. I could see that. Not in a bad way at all. No. Like, I love that design. But I like the way that I like the simultaneous talking thing. I like the like it was a it was a humanoid alien race that was really sort of different and unique than anything else we'd seen before. It wasn't just a dude with head makeup. I mean, it was, yeah, it was they a got dude with head makeup, with the makeup, but it was, like, a, an interesting well, they, concept. But they put some yeah. effort into yeah. it. Like, I'm a fan of the Klingon makeup or, like, the Ferengi makeup, like, something that covers the whole head versus, like, the Bajoran makeup, which is just a little wrinkle on the nose. Yes. That's, yeah. that's where I draw the line. And, uh, I, like you say, it's a cool sci-fi concept that they're sort of computer people and they're kind of telepathically linked. And that's, it's a neat idea and it's a shame they never came back to Yeah, it. I would have liked to have seen more of these guys. They could have yeah. done something cool with them with the Borg. I think. Yeah, it seemed like they had a lot more potential. Yeah, interesting to see and them I in understand like, in like Starfleet. Yeah, I mean, I understand that they're embarrassed about a lot of season one, but be embarrassed about the episodes on either side of this one. This one's <laughs> actually pretty good. Uh, okay, well, Matt, what do you got for a bad? Thing? Uh, my bad thing is, man, this episode drags like crazy once it actually decides to have a plot. Like we were talking about how much, you, how much, like how interesting the uh, everyone's day off thing is. Well, when we get to the danger at the end of the episode, when we've got to save the Enterprise from being exploded and all this crap, mm-hmm. then the episode just dies, and I stop caring. I, I think I, I, it didn't bore me that much, particularly considering we watched two particularly tedious episodes. I guess comparing it to those, it wasn't so bad. You're, you're not wrong, but I don't know. Picard and Riker together, like, trying to save the ship and being kind of commandos together was cool. You don't get that very much. No, that's true. I mean, that was yeah, okay, Except they were, like... they were very, they were very leisurely commando. Well, that's true. There wasn't a lot of storming around with phasers. There was a lot more <laughs> beaming and standing. But, yeah. But in theory, I like the idea that, you know, the two of them, because it's usually Picard sending Riker and somebody else away, and it's nice to see them both trying to get the ship back. Yeah. It was a nice probably not deliberate, but kind of a nice echo of Kirk and Spock always doing stuff together, you know? Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right, Bob, what do you got? Uh, for my good thing is, uh, well, is Riker being Riker? 
Oh, yeah. Era. I just really enjoyed him just smarming it up oh, on yeah. the holodeck. No, Riker was Rikering all over the place in this one. <laughs> yeah. You are, you are not wrong by saying he Rikers more than any Riker ever, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Way to no, go, I Bill. Just, that, that, uh, yeah, love <laughs> Our that. Our favorite character, Bill. Bill Riker. <laughs> No, I, I, and I feel like I'm overcompensating by constantly talking about how great he is. It's mostly because fan favorites are always Picard, Data, and Worf. And it's like, but but Riker's so great. I love Riker, man. Yeah. I feel like he's I'm overcorrecting, just... but he really is fantastic. I Yeah, he's he's just got this charismatic vibe, like you're saying, even in Angel 1, that just kind of, you know, picks up the scenes that he's in. Yeah, yeah it rises above the, the bad material. And, uh, you know, it takes a good actor to do that. And... Also, I feel like he could have really been bland. Like we pointed out before, Decker in the motion picture was effectively the same character, and he was just so boring just and forgettable. Worst. Yeah, but in but in Frake's hands, taking the same you know the same basic outline of a character, he turned it into something interesting and cool. Mm. Yeah, which is nice. He's you know he's he's a guy who enjoys life. But exactly. But I mean, you know, the bland white guy when there's a robot and an alien. You know, and, a, and an alien chick. And, you know, like, blind the bland guy. white guy could easily get lost in the shuffle. And he didn't. He, he still managed to be something interesting and cool. Agreed. Uh, what about your bad thing? Uh, my bad thing is so much docking. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> like, yeah. like, I feel uh, like that's, that's shell shock from the motion picture. Where you're just like, <laughs> oh, God, the horror, the horror. Probably. It didn't, it didn't feel like there was that much. But you're just reminded of that tedium and you're like no not yep. again please god no more docking because <laughs> at least during the sequence they cut to the bridge and people are talking while it's happening it's not just watch the external the whole mm. time right 10 10 minute tour of Take the another lap the around the enterprise yeah <laughs> and then then we'll nope wait, wait isn't that the shuttle but no wait we're gonna come back around again oh <laughs> I haven't had a look at the port nacelle yet get back there man I don't even know which side is the port. Well, I'll have to show you by taking you back around the ship again. Damn it! <laughs> I, I also well, wonder... I, I it, always remember that uh, because uh, Dave Barry wrote about that once, that uh, port, 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 uh, port wine is red, and so is your face if you forget that port means left. <laughs> That's pretty good. And, of course, starboard <laughs> hangs down from the ceiling. Right, of course. <laughs> Um, I also feel like I, I, I'm sure it wasn't intentional, but because this was a Riker heavy episode, I like to think that all the docking is like, you know, train going in the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> it's just meant to subtly reinforce what's really going on. How real are you? Hey, all right. how far can this love really go? <clears throat> and I like, okay, yeah, we got a holodeck is malfunctioning episode, but not in the usual way where someone's in danger at all. In fact, the danger is outside the holodeck completely. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It wasn't malfunctioning at all. The binars programmed it specifically oh, yep. to point. act this way. Okay, but holodeck gone wrong. Like that's well, still a, a, a trope for the show. Yeah, but <laughs> but in this case, you're right. It was deliberately made that way. Yeah, and they didn't put anyone in danger. In fact, it distracted them from the actual danger. So exactly. Yeah. Now, I my my only real problem with this episode is the binars, and they even addressed this in the episode. They just could have asked. They just could have said, "Hey, our planet's dying. Could you maybe go save us?" Mm -hmm. And yeah. you might have said no. See, but, like, I, I found, like, there's there's a very, like, if you think about it, there's a very deep, like, good explanation for all of that. Like, the binars are only one or two right or wrong, yes or no. So right. there's an equally, it's equally possible to them that that they're, that they're the 
the Federation would say no to them borrowing the ship as it is to say yes. So it was just easier to steal the thing. So I guess as a, as a cultural thing, their perception is, yeah, it, it actually, this actually makes as much sense as asking. You. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. I, can, I can see that. They have no gray area. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. No, I really feel like we could have explored these guys more. I feel like, like there's a bit of season one clumsiness that could have been overcome in later seasons and make them, a, you know, like mm-hmm. make them a little subtler in some ways. Cause like Bob said, yeah, the, the voices are a little annoying and the, you know, the completing the sentences thing, it's a little old. But uh, but overall, they're they're a fun idea, yeah. and it's a cool sci-fi concept, and they yeah. can still be played by humans. You don't need like weird effects or whatever. And I would I would I, mean, I would have loved I, to have I, seen I, them come back in like one of the books or something. Yeah, and I, I think your point was great about like you know putting in a story with the Borg that could have oh, been yeah. really yeah. interesting. I think so, and there's so many things they did with the Borg that just weren't like Lore's magic castle, for instance. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, no, this, this one, like I said, in the, in the early parts had some great character stuff. There was a, there's a bit where everyone's sort of breaking off to do their own thing while the ship's being repaired. And, um, Worf and Tasha are going off to play, uh, what is it? Uh, Parisi Squares. Connect Four. Car- Parisi Squares, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Pyramids. Which actually I think we see getting played at some point later. But, um, no, it's, it's cool just like the, the security team's going to go play this, this team on the, you know, on the station. going to play the hood there's security a bit of, team. Yeah, it's, but it's like a camaraderie yeah. thing. It's like a we got to defend the honor of the Enterprise, and it's just a nice little you know. And you get the feeling Tasha and Worf hang out and kind of know each other, and uh, there's there's a lot of little moments that make it feel like these guys are starting to become friends, yeah. and they're not so stiff, and they're not referring to each other by last name anymore. Yeah, yeah. And the, and even at the end when the, um, when they are like finally are rebooting the main computer on the planet, mm-hmm. um, Picard is just kind of like watching the computer readouts, and he's just like fascinated by it and, yep. and impressed by their you know whatever their coding prowess or something but there was just kind of this look for micros like since when are you into computers <laughs> <laughs> i have a renaissance and this is one i'm interested in everything yeah, this, this is something that comes up a lot with picard which is he's just into whatever they want him to be into <laughs> i like 40s noir which okay right now because we don't know him very well seems fine but Looking mm-hmm. back from what we know of picard from like season six thinking that he would be into dixon hill that just doesn't fit at all but right now, yeah, he's kind of a blank canvas, and they just kind of... I don't know. I think that's whatever. kind of his equivalent of, you know, he's into all these, uh, uh, you know, things that society values more, like archaeology and and and, uh, and reading and Shakespeare and all of that, but the kind of Dixon Hill is kind of his guilty pleasure, you know? Yeah, that might be. Like, I love Citizen Kane, but I also like Con Air, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Citizen Con. I wish, Pat- I wish Captain Picard liked Con Air. <laughs> well, the problem is we've we've talked about this before. The holodeck uh, observes uh, copyright laws, which is why when uh, Data wants a comedian, he can't get a good one. He can only get Joe Piscopo because uh, <laughs> Joe Piscopo's public domain in the 24th century, but all the good ones aren't. <laughs> so Conair's copyright, and he can't actually use yeah. it. Um, what else? Uh, Minuet herself. Um, Mm. It's weird when she's just sitting there before the the program becomes active. She doesn't seem that attractive. No. And my initial reaction was really that's his dream girl. But once she starts moving and talking and smiling and stuff, she's actually quite pretty. Acting it's like just, a person. Yeah, it just yeah. as a still, like as a as you know, just sitting there, just didn't. I well, don't know, something long, about the way she moved and talked was way there's better. This long lingering right. shot that just sort of tracks up her, and it's like just not very. Yeah, that, I wasn't impressed by no. that. But that she's like, like kind of frozen at that. Point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
But, you know, some women look good like that. She didn't. She's someone who looks better in action, mm-hmm. like moving around and talking mm-hmm. and, you know. Like, her body language was a lot of why she was attractive. Her voice was a lot of why she was attractive. Yeah. French you didn't get that with her just sitting there. And, and it was interesting once it was discovered, you know, that she was the ruse, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to keep them in there, that she suddenly loses that, mm-hmm. loses some of her emotion and, and her attractiveness just and and becomes almost you know a little bit more emotionless automaton kind of a you know they talk to her after that but she's like just giving them the answers they need and not you know yeah she's more of a program and less of a character yeah. yeah and and you're right there was some good acting there where she kind of downshifted and played it as you know more and she didn't do the robot voice like it wasn't <laughs> no bad. no it was pretty subtle but yeah it was it was, it was some nice acting there like she wasn't Vicky from Small Wonder thing <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, who is really? Yeah, you well, got me there. Who could ever be? <laughs> yeah, um, but no, as 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 acting goes, like I, there was some bad acting in Angel One, and there's some bad acting in my episode, but there, she was the you know the primary guest star, and this was actually quite good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is nice. You don't see a lot of that in season one. Later on, I think they got better at casting guest stars, but so far, not a good track record. Yeah, I think it's it's telling that you know apart from Q, the best villain this season so far is. Lore, who is already one of the cast members. <laughs> like, they're just not good at finding outside people. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say, as as sort of, you know, Roddenberry's ideal of there's no conflict, there's just sort of equal points of view that come into, you know, conflict with each other. Like, there's no evil. This was one of the better yeah. treatments of that. The, the Binars weren't bad. They weren't trying to hurt anyone. No, they were, they were just trying to save themselves. Yeah, yeah, this this feels like a quintessential what Roddenberry wanted, and it actually works in this, yes. in this context. I think. Yep. A lot of times it doesn't, but this time I felt like, well, these guys are just trying to save their planet, so that's cool. They just want their kids back. <laughs> we just <laughs> want our kids back. Yeah, I, I'm actually I'm thankful, Bob, you didn't uh, enlist one of us to complete your sentences in your, uh, in your summary because I was worried you would do. <laughs> that's that. too bad because I totally would have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, and I know, you know, you, you've done this and other guests have done sort of the, the gimmick uh, uh, summaries, and I, I, I continue to encourage that, but uh, I'm glad you didn't do that this time. Cause, yeah. <laughs> that would have been too much for me. I think so, yeah. <laughs> um, what else? Anything? I, I do like that this is one of the few first season episodes that has uh, ramifications that kind of echo into later seasons. Oh, that yeah. uh, that uh, I can't remember what uh, episode it is, but there is an episode where where uh, Riker does have this like moment where he's kind of still kind of pining for her somewhere. And it's a uh, future imperfect, which is season four or five, and it's um, oh right. This this alien kid is drawing on uh, spoilers, I guess. It, really, if you haven't seen Next Gen all the way through, what's wrong with you? But really, <laughs> um, th- no. There's an episode where this kid is drawing this alien kid is drawing on his memories and his like trying to fill out Riker's perfect life. And the perfect life is that he's married to Minuet and the kid can't distinguish because he was in love with her. And the kid right. can't distinguish between that this was a fantasy and she was an actual real woman. And it's nice that you're right. It's nice that that was in his head like four years later. This is the one that got away. Mm-hmm. This is the woman I was in love with. Yeah. And on the one hand, it doesn't really feel like Riker to me. But on the other hand, I guess I guess what happened once. Yeah. First time you used yeah. the holodeck. Yeah, and and it's nice. I'm not sick of the holodeck yet. Like I will be later, mm-hmm. but for now they've done a good job of this is the first time. You know, like Picard's first time in there is like, wow, everything's so real. 
And Riker's first time is, wow, I can fuck things. <laughs> <laughs> but, but really, you know, each character reacts in their own way. Like, I'm, I'm being jokey about it, but seriously, everyone reacts in their own mm. way, but everyone's kind of fascinated because it's awesome technology. And we all know yeah. if we had this, we'd be, you know, somewhere in that range, too. Yep. Like, this is amazing. Right. And obviously, it's a little bit of a pass for this one, too, because... Uh, I mean, for Riker reacting the way he does because the Vinars specifically yeah, programmed her to, to act, yeah, to act toward him. Because he goes back at the end of the episode and she's not her anymore. Yeah. So it's obviously, some, you know, something that the Vinars did specifically for him. But I also don't but, think, at least we haven't seen, like it may have happened off camera, but they haven't mentioned. Um, he's never really spent an extended amount of time on the holodeck anyway. He's been in there, like, to go get people. Right. But this is, I think, the first time we got some downtime. I'm going to see what this whole holodeck thing yeah. is all about. And, again, it's similar to Picard going in with Dixon Hill for the first time. Like, okay, I'm going to check out the holodeck. And as long as everyone gets that once and we're not in season five and everyone's still like, wow, holodeck, then I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> but, yeah, I no, I, I enjoyed it. And I, I like, I like I said, I like Riker. I like his whole jazz thing. Which like, I like starts the, here. Know, the, the, Find out he can play yeah. the trombone. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I I enjoy that. It's it's kind of dorky, but I like that. I like that he's you know he feels like a real guy to me. Yeah, I'm sorry, Bill. Do you Which find something great. funny about the word tromboner? <laughs> and then and then there's the extended sequence of Picard cock blocking. Yes, where he's clearly trying to score, oh, and really? Picard's just like, "This is fascinating. I love it in here. I don't think I'm <laughs> never leaving." <laughs> Captain, come on. Please, really? Oh, you speak French, too? Oh, oh, I'm not man. going anywhere. <laughs> does Dr. Crusher yeah, have a Why are you kicking me under the table? Does Dr. Crusher have a prescription for blue balls? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the episode, he practically sprints back to the yep. holodeck. Like, are okay. we, is everything good? Everything, we're, everything's safe? Okay. Can I leave the bridge? Is it I okay? Can I go? go. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's not there anymore. Oh, god damn it. Come on, Really? <laughs> I guess I guess it's harp porn for me again. <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else? Nope. Nope. Ah. Okay. Uh, Bob, you got a quote? Uh, I do. Um. Oh yeah. When uh when pretty early on when we're uh, seeing what everybody else is doing, mm -hmm. uh, he stumbles across uh, Jordy and Data doing uh, some painting. Keep notes. This project may turn out to be of interest to scholars in the future. Really? Well, of course, think about it. A blind man teaching an android how to paint. That's got to be worth a couple of pages in somebody's book. Yeah, and I feel like... <laughs> like I liked that. I thought it was funny. But the, LeVar Burton like uh, gives him like a great look, which is like, did you just say that? Wow. <laughs> it's like, really? That was in very poor taste, sir. <laughs> And I don't think like, I, I don't imagine it was written that way. Like I say, Lavar Burton and not Jordy, because yeah. I think I feel like like he just gave it that extra spin just to be funny. <laughs> I mean, maybe it was written like Jordy is a little hurt, but I bet <laughs> I bet he just threw it in there to you know to give wow. it a little extra something. Yeah, did you just make fun of me and him at the same words, time? That words hurts. cut. Yeah, Commander Jesus. I know we're off duty, but geez. yeah, yeah, but that's, I think that's. This is part of the beginning of, of some really great moments mm. between he and, and uh, Data. Oh, absolutely. And even just like five minutes later when uh, <laughs> they're like, they cut back to them and, and Data's just kind of like staring off into the distance. <laughs> yeah. Jordy says, what are you doing now? And Data says, I'm waiting for inspiration. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I like the whole painting thing. That com- that comes back a few times. Like, he tries different styles, and he tries different, you know, whatever. And yeah. and it's always kind of a sad thing, because all he can do is mimic. He can never be inspired, yeah. and that's a nice, you know... They keep coming back to it, but it's not like a Data's the painting guy. Right. It's right. just one of the many things. I buy it more from Data that he tries everything, because he really wants to crack the code of being human, and maybe it's in painting. I don't know. Mm. Nope, guess not. All right. Move... Do we have to? I'm sorry. Can we talk about dude. this one some more? Do we have yeah, to do mine now? Let's get this over with. Tear off the bandaid. Here we go. <laughs> How fast? <laughs> Too short reading? a season. The the worst the worst thing is I'm gonna we're gonna look back like when we're doing our uh, year end summary and look back when we do the inevitable episode guide and we're gonna say too short a season. Which one was that? Yeah, I couldn't. Even, <laughs> when I was writing my notes for the for for these, I couldn't even remember what it was called. I just called it old guy episode. Yeah, it's. I mean, and that's the thing. It's a very forgettable title, and it's it's not going to jump out at me as, oh, this was a bad mm-hmm. one. It's just, wait, which one was this? It's it's the one where they weren't able to harvest everything they needed to. Uh, yeah, I guess. The season just was not long enough. <laughs> I, I guess it's not about season one, because this season is not too short. No. <laughs> All right, let me, let me tell you. Sit down and hear a tale of too short a season. Please. Um... The Enterprise welcomes an admiral who looks like a young guy in old guy makeup, but that has to be a coincidence, right? It's not like he's just going to magically turn young before our eyes. Some people must just age naturally to look like they're wearing shitty makeup. I mean, that's where the makeup guys got the idea in the first place, one assumes. Either that or Star Trek is hiring terrible makeup artists, and that can't be right. Anyway, surprising absolutely no one, the admiral gradually turns younger before our eyes. Thrill, as a character we've never met, stands up and walks as though this were something unusual for a person to do. Gasp as we witness every <gasps> tedious moment of him shuffling about the bridge. Wonder and amazement as he makes out with his wife in a scene that undoubtedly made Matt physically ill. It did. <laughs> yeah, that guy really doesn't like old people. So the Admiral is taking the Enterprise to meet some planet of filthy rebels. Get used to this horrible trope because it comes up a lot, even in the good seasons. Apparently he took some alien drug that makes you younger and now he wants revenge on some other guy we've never met. Yeah, the Enterprise crew are pretty incidental to this entire story, which is one of the main reasons I couldn't be bothered to care about anything that happened in it. Here are some other reasons. Terrible acting, massive amounts of padding, and the usual Roddenberryan moralizing about how humans are meant to suffer and not cheat death. So, we can be as smug as we want about wars and diseases going away, but if we dare tamper with the elemental forces that cause a man to start eating dinner at 4.30 in the afternoon, we've crossed some kind of line? Ooh. Yeah. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Shut up, future man. <laughs> All right, my good thing was Beverly being a doctor for a change, having something cool and unusual to investigate, though she Hooray. still can't do a damn thing about it. Uh-huh. That was, I mean, she, uh, you know, she's not trying to cure a cold this time. She's not trying to, you know, like at least there's something weird. Like, this is alien de- rewriting his DNA. What's this, you know? But she still doesn't fix it. So. No. I, you know, I totally, like, I hadn't watched this episode in a while and I mm. totally forgot about this subplot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, and my bad thing is this episode could have been over at the first commercial break. There is just nothing here mm-hmm. at all. It just goes on and on and on. Uh, Matt? Uh, yeah, mine is, uh, the Admiral's last name is Jameson. And that makes me think of Spider-Man, which is nice. That's not a good thing. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. This it's the best whole, thing about this episode. The whole point of this exercise was to really try to find something worth reporting. And you yep, just, and I did. <laughs> Get uh, me pictures well. of anti-aging cream. <laughs> <laughs> well, his wife did look a bit like Aunt May, so there is that. That's true. <laughs> All right. 
And your bad, and my bad thing? thing is uh, his acting and makeup are both absolutely atrocious. Yeah, they are. And I mean, the makeup you touch on in your in your summary, but the acting is also fucking terrible. No, his, yeah. I'm old. Look at me. His his entire old age like acting was based around smacking his lips. Yeah, and and one of you mentioned that DeForest Kelly was only on you know a few weeks ago, and and they made him look pretty decent. I think it's because DeForest Kelly himself was, you know, has always been a bit craggly, and I think they just sort of drew on his natural age lines. And this guy was a head start. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but this guy's like twenty, and they had to invent it, and it just—it was terrible. Mm-hmm. All right, Bob, what do you got? Um, I, I don't know. I think the the good for my good thing, the anti-aging, uh, whatnot, was it could have been an interesting concept. Uh, well, yeah, the whole, the whole thing was the guy wanted to get revenge on someone, and he wanted to be young and spry to do it. That, that yeah, in itself is that could have been okay, right? Uh, and but but the the reverse side of that, the bad thing is that um, despite the interesting concept, the writing was just too weak at this point. Yeah, um, and the actor in the reverse aging role just could not pull it off. No, I mean, and really, sometimes it felt like the show was casting people from like soap operas. This guy felt like one step below that. Like he was from like dinner theater. It was just <laughs> summer stock. Yeah. Just grabbed the guy, the kid from around back of the lot. And the thing is, he was like the understudy at summer stock. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't even like a headliner. Yeah. Just not good at all. But and, I think, I think maybe if they had done it, um, like you were saying during screening, you know, if it had been a season four or season five episode, perhaps the writing staff had been together enough that they could have pulled something interesting out of that. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the season one episodes, like we have some just ill-conceived episodes, we have some decent ones, and then a lot of them seem to be like, there's a core of a good idea here, but you guys just aren't a good enough show to make this work yet. Mm. And it feels like this might have been one of those. Although even then, the, the I don't know, a B-plot, something to involve the crew more, because they were they were completely incidental. They were the Enterprise was taking this guy to this place, but it was really his story. Yeah. And when the story focuses entirely on the guest star and completely not on the main cast, who cares? Yeah, yeah you they, just don't give a shit. They were pretty much just there to go, whoa, hey, you're aging backwards. Yep. And and they kept pulling this surprise thing. Look, he's younger. Yeah, we've seen it seven times already. We know. He's he even younger. like half now. the episode, like, sitting in the dark so that you can... What's he look like now? Oh, slightly younger. Yep. What a surprise. But there'd be this big reveal, and the camera <laughs> would sweep up in a musical sting, like, he's younger! Yeah, we know. Like, Maybe when he was sitting... time you've done this. Yeah. Maybe when he was sitting in the dark, they just hadn't done his makeup that That's day. what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, <laughs> they no, this is one of the in-between times. I don't feel like doing it. Let's just film him in the dark. <laughs> Man. Yeah, and... Like I said, nobody was really involved. And the thing is, if you're going to focus only on the guest star, like it's going to be their story, it needs to be somebody like Spock or somebody, you know, somebody really interesting, somebody really, like somebody that would overshadow these guys because they're so cool. Right. Yeah. They were already invested in. Yeah. Ideally, yes. Somebody that we know from a different show or something. Yeah. But no, this guy's story, I did and because he's a guest star, I knew he's probably going to die at the end. And so I just didn't care. I didn't, there was nothing at stake for me shockingly none of none of the characters <laughs> that i've started to kind of care about were in any danger nope and the federation wasn't going to go to war with anyone and at, at best some off-screen hostages were going to be killed yeah some yep. off-screen hostages were going to be killed and two old men had a fight yep 
<laughs> well, this is something when Amanda and I made a pass through a year or so ago. She points out there's a lot of old man fights in Star Trek, <laughs> particularly in Next Gen because of Picard. And I'll, I'll start pointing them out when they start happening. But there's <laughs> brace yourself. There's a lot of old man fights coming. That out. actually makes a lot of sense <laughs> if you have a look at fake Star Trek later. And they were, they had to redo all the old man fights as boy fights. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but the the baby Scotty shorts are fantastic, so that makes it okay. Um, no, the uh, like like in generations, it's it's Patrick Stewart and Malcolm McDowell, and they're both like sixty. Yep. And then Shatner comes in, and like, well, that's not improving anything. I'm also old. Yep. There's just old man fights, but yeah, this just was not. Well, you know, I, time is the fire in which we burn. I've heard that. In which we burn. I think burn. Williams might have told me that once or twice. Yeah. Um, yeah, but good, so. I did not care about these two guys at all, and no. the, the the rebel leader was also just really bad. He was like a low-rent mm. TV Robert, how do you say his last name, Logia? Oh, yeah, Robert Logia, yeah. Yeah, the, the guy with the, you know, I got this kind of, also kind of a George C. Scott kind of gruff. Mm. Just, I thought he looked like Grandpa Munster. A bit like that. <laughs> but I think they could have gotten Al Lewis for like a quarter of a sandwich. I don't yep. think he was very <laughs> wow. expensive at this point. That guy will show up for the crusts. Yeah. <laughs> He's not. That was proud. like the lowest form of sandwich actor. I know. Yep. Well, I'm pretty sure when they did the new Munsters in the late '80s, he was there. <laughs> like they That's recast everyone, Grandpa but Munster. he's like, "Can't I please be here still? Fine. <laughs> Just sit quietly in the back. I'll be on the new Adams Family too. No. <laughs> I do an incredible cousin. It. No. Thank you. Well, at least John Aston, who was in, uh, he was a uh, Gomez in the Adams Family. Right, right. He went on to do other things like uh, the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Well, and he was the fake oh, Riddler. Yeah. When Frank Gorshin couldn't be bothered to be the Riddler anymore, he was the fake Riddler. Oh, right. The, yeah. the mustache Riddler. Yeah. <laughs> mustache Riddler comes with everything seen here. <laughs> uh, parents put it together. There's a, there's a line where Beverly talks about some kind of pharmacopoeia. And I just, I love that word. I know it's a real word. And I just, I, if they did a spinoff called Beverly Crusher's Farmtastic Pharmacopoeia, I would be all over that. <laughs> Really give her a chance to shine and, and step out from the shadow of these other characters and actually be a good doctor. I would totally mm. watch that show. Mm. Absolutely. We, well, we can go back and do that. We'll retroactively fill in the uh, year she was away from the Enterprise. Yeah, there you go. Surely there's a whole series of novels about what she was doing that long. Oh, dur during the Pulaski year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some sort of cyborg project. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> there's a bit where uh, the, the Admiral's de-aging. And he's roughly the age of Picard, I would say, like somewhere in that ballpark. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the the idea is that they look about the same. And he stands in front of Picard and says, I'm even more fit than you. Like that, <laughs> that's a little bit of a jerk thing to say. Oh, why don't you go fuck yourself there? You know, if you de-aged to being like 20 and said that, oh, okay. But we're about equal here. That was just mean. <laughs> I'm the fittest old man in the room. Look at me. I'll do one-arm push-ups. Watch me. <laughs> You, you are my number one guy. <laughs> yeah, there was a bit of a, a, bit of a Jack Palance now too. to the... Uh... Jack, Jack Palance. Is it Palance? I thought it was Palance. Oh, whatever. I don't know. You it's say funnier Palance, the other way. Palance. <laughs> um, what else? Anything at all? Uh, uh, I, aside from horrible old age makeup in my notes, the only other thing was, whoa, computer graphics. Yeah, they they did have a nice little. Here's the layout of the tunnels we'll be running around in. Yeah, and it did actually look okay for 1987. I was, you know, 
If we <laughs> if we'd been paying attention back then, it would be like, whoa, computers can do that. Neat. Looks amazing. Yeah. It almost looks 3D. <laughs> almost. <laughs> I could print that. Um, <laughs> I could print everything. And I, I, the only, I, I, my other good thing was at least the old woman was, didn't have a giant flower that de-aged, you know, along with her <laughs> oh, husband. That's a plus. There was a bit of a, like, early on it felt a bit like that episode of the animated series, but they thankfully went a different way with it. So. They keep going back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. Oh. Having sex, old mm. people sex. <laughs> That's imagine the for I was going your, Imagine for yourself a pile of laundry draped on top of another pile of laundry, <laughs> and it's all gray laundry, like your sweat socks and your, you know, sweatsuit and your sweat sweats. <laughs> yeah. So just not good at all. Um, no. Oh, uh, here, here's my, my final note. Oh, God, are we going to have a speech now? Die, 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 die. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Oh, that, that, was, that was my other question, though. How did Roddenberry sign off? There's the, the, the bad guy ends up being a Starfleet officer. That doesn't seem like something Gene would want. Nope. Hmm. Maybe they He's just like, tell him. Starfleet, too busy. we don't lie. He was too busy doing all the heavy-handed crap. He didn't notice I, that slim thing. He was punching up Angel One. Yep. And they had. They, he was looking the other direction. So like, no, oh, this needs more subtleties. <laughs> we, what we need is a Starfleet admiral, the, the pinnacle of what Starfleet can accomplish: uh, lying to his wife, uh, almost causing a war, and wanting to murder a guy. That doesn't sound like something I'd want at all. Hey, look over here, Planet of Women. Ooh, say. <laughs> <laughs> can we put miniskirts on them? Sure, why not? So yeah. Um, oh, oh, there is there is one thing I see in uh, Matt's mm -hmm. notes that maybe this is a Canadian thing that I don't understand, but the the uh, note is message coming in from Tim Hortons. <laughs> what what is that? Well, mean? Tim Hortons is like their fake uh, <laughs> their fake Starbucks, but beyond that, I don't I don't get the reference either. <laughs> Matt, what, what was that? Make that, that note. Hang on a sec. <laughs> Oh, I think he was just getting a phone call from Tim Hortons and put it in his notes. <laughs> oh, no. I totally derailed the show. Now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's, you know, to pull the curtain back, that is what we do. We look at the notes we made and we try to bring them up. That's not, you know. <laughs> oh, I did put that in. I have no idea what that's in reference to. Excellent. Right, I'm then. glad I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to cut this out either just to, uh, <laughs> just to screw with you. All right. Well, anything else about this or can we finally put it behind us forever? Nope. Let's de-age past it. <laughs> Matt? Yeah. Anything else? No, we're I still talking. We're still talking about too short a season, honey. Wake <laughs> up and put your shoes on. <laughs> okay. Uh, my quote, I, I don't know. We got to the end of this, and it was the second time I watched it, and I, uh, I think Bob pointed out I hadn't picked a quote. I was like, oh, fuck, I'm not watching this again. Uh, <laughs> let me just pick the next bad thing that happens. And as it happens, the uh, the bad guy on the planet, the, the, the rebel leader, actually had said one of the most ridiculous lines, so that was good <laughs> timing. And here it is. This story you are telling me is unbelievable. Jameson is a man of more than 80 years. Not this. So that's just a sample of what you could come to expect in this episode. Incredible it's, acting. It just absolutely amazing. Uh, I hope when the Blu-ray of season one comes out, this episode is just uh, 47 minutes of blank screen. Because yeah. <laughs> even with restored effects, I am never watching this again. Maybe they'll do digital makeup on the guy to make him look actually old. Can they do that? Uh, maybe. Or just CG a different <laughs> actor over him? Sure, That would be awesome. Not? People can oh, do things like that, right? What they could do is take the actor now, 
who would actually physically be much older. Oh yes, and have and him react with him. better. Yes, <laughs> and, then and then insert him into the older. Yes, <laughs> and then just leave his younger self, but the older version would be played by the actual older him. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, they well, not awesome, that. but uh... <laughs> better. Yeah, I don't even know if I'd go that far. The same. All right. Yeah. Well, in any case, just try to remember. This was not a good episode because, like I said, because of the title, mm. it's not memorable, and I'm going to forget. Yes, we're going to write this don't down. Do anti-aging drugs. Yes, exactly. All right. Um, one one final thing. Uh, like I said, after this point, we are now only doing two episodes per show, pretty much forever. But that means we're probably going to have more guests, which is nice. You'll be hearing some different voices. Few people have brought up, I think, fairly so that we haven't had a lot of uh, females on, and we're going to try to correct that. We're going to try and get more of a, a female perspective because I think you know we mm. should. Um, and, and if you want the teenager perspective, my son really wants to be on the show. That is a possibility. I mean, God, I can't, I can't so promise anything, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think he's he's Bob's son. I'm sure he's heard a curse word or two. <laughs> uh, probably, yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's that. Um, one final thing, uh, Matt and I were looking at next week's episodes, and I think we're going to play this game now rather than on the episode. Um, Matt, the the next two episodes, which we have uh, pretty much flipped a coin to decide who does what, mm-hmm. uh, we we do not recognize by title at all. Oh yeah, that's they are. right. And so let, let's take a guess right now at what these episodes might be, and then next week we'll see if we were right. All right. <laughs> so the titles we have to deal with next week are when the bow breaks. And home soil. Hmm. What do you? What are your guesses, Bob? You can you can certainly join us on this. You're not going <laughs> to, unless hmm. you actually know. But the idea is these are titles that don't really stand out, and I don't know. <laughs> I, I I would assume when the bow breaks is something about babies. Yeah, see, that's my guess. Is it must be a Wesley episode because that's like a child yeah. reference. Yeah. Or see, is that fig- the one where Tro- where Troy has a baby? No, that's, no, that's alien the, rape comet. That's yeah, the, that's child. the child. Oh, yeah. Or, um, as I call it, Alien Rape Comet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my money's on home soil being about, I don't know, defending a farm or something. I think it's going to be about filthy rebels that are on a planet and don't want to leave for some stupid uh, reason. I think I think home soil might be the one where it was the talking dirt. Ta- I really <laughs> do not remember dirt, a talking huh? dirt episode, but... Uh, <laughs> you mean Madam Trash Heap? Because that would actually be kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, yeah. I have no clue. But no, we were initially going to do this in the episode, and I realized by the time we record the episode, we will have seen these. All right. And the idea is to get a natural reaction from us before we know what they are. Uh-huh. So let's we'll check back in next week and see if we were even close. <laughs> the the other option is to go sort of Batman sixty six with it and say when the bow breaks, bow prow. Wharf is proud. It's a wharf episode, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Soil toil. Toy, toy L, toys. Uh, I was going to make an action figure of, of Jor-El. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Jordy goes to the Phantom Zone with Wesley. I like it. I think we got it. All right. Well, Bob, always a pleasure, and uh, you're always Same welcome here. to come back. Thank um, you. Matt, I guess I'll see you next week. Yeah, odds are pretty good. All right. Now tell them the thing you say. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2011. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun. <laughs>